When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, uh, Nathan, I think your idea earlier is a fantastic one and we can incorporate it to like getting all of these, uh, individuals together and create like a networking, uh, group for like voice acting. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was, uh, streaming before, before we joined the call. And, uh, since B's joined, I was talking a little bit about the kind of application process for Oromar, um, and how, uh, I don't know that many black masks in tabletop RPGs aside from a very limited list. So I was like wondering whether it would be, whether it would be gauche to be kind of like, yo, other people who applied, but didn't get it. I still want you to hit me up. Cause I want to like say hi to all the people that wanted to apply for such a cool role. It's so good to meet other people who are interested in that kind of thing. Um, but make it like voluntary rather than a kind of like, I got the part and you didn't, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Though uh, Nathan, extremely funny villain move. Mm. <laughs> Holy shit. You disguise it as everyone coming together. And then when everyone gets here, it's just five minutes of him going. <laughs> oh, wow. We can tell who has the best voice here, can't we? Lol. And apparently, Nathan, that, that means I think you're James from Pokemon. I mean, mm. I would, yes. what a career. <laughs> Non-binary mask icon, to be honest with you. You can see the, I'm going to say, seven-year-old Dina Durf, and she is having a heated argument with her father right now. And Dina goes, You can see the, I'm going to say, seven-year-old Dina Durf, and she is having a heated argument 
with her father right now. Dina goes, I heard a monster scream and I saw a giant. A monster? I've, I've never heard of any monster in the area. It may be a monster. It may not be a monster. All we know is that she saw something here, caused a disturbance. Brian shot at it. So that explains the bullet. That explains the gunshots. So now we need to spread out. He's going to, at that point, hop back onto his chicken. All right, everybody spread out in a general area, not too far from one another. Make sure you can see somebody else wherever you are. Look around for any clues to tracks or something akin to something making its way away from the, the, the pen. And as soon as you see something, call out so everybody else can head that way. All right, so this is going to be a group check. What we're going to do, we're going to use Douglas's as a base. And I'm going to set the difficulty at daunting, but here's Mm -hmm. how this is going to work. Going to get an upgrade for everybody helping out right now. So that's one for Jonnet, that's one for Denny, and one for Mm Daryl. So am I allowed to, like, I feel like in this moment, Jonnet's probably going to, call on the divine pathway to see if there's anything that will point him to john i yeah. will let you do that as a separate check if if we take okay. out one of the upgrades from what we're we're doing to bees's dice i think we can do that all right so it'll be two then instead of three mm-hmm. okay so is that that's on top of what i already had for my uh perception yeah so right? you upgrade you upgrade that by two so you turn a green into a yellow and then add a green i believe so you've got three three yellows one one green green. yeah okay versus four purple and tyler so you are trying to open up to the divine pathways like what is there a specific type of spell that you are casting how do you how do you envision this going down i i think it's like john it as like it has been done in the past kind of for john it and i think he's been trying to get a handle on where it's like he oftentimes gets like can see all right this is what happens if i walk down this way and turn left oh that's great and so like what happens if i project out is like if i start walking forward like what do i see if i go down this line of thinking this pathway and then he's going to rewind and then go to the left and see if there's if he hits something. That's really cool. Give me give me a hard check. So this is okay. the first time that you're doing this. Bees, what did you get on your roll? <laughs> so ha. I've got two advantages mm-hmm. and three failures. <laughs> three ha. failures. Wow. Yeah. You don't Arr. find anything. And I'll say the advantages. So, like, you're looking through the area and, like, there's so much high grass around here. Part of the problem is you're searching around the area outside the coops. And while there are some lookout trails and, and like, little, uh, I I think there are stands uh, that you have for people like Brian who are doing the, the late night lookouts. There's not much else before you hit the wild grass, which you are trying to keep there, the, the, those wild grain fields, because without them, you're not going to be able to raise any chickens. So you're trying to maximize both types of real estate. It's just bad searching, especially in the night. The advantages, though, 
you can see out in the distance white feathers above the grain uh, that that it's easy to catch in the moonlight so you can see like in the distance there are a few of the chickens that are just now wandering around Tyler let's turn to you what about the results of your roll Oh hello Hello Oh hello Hello Okay so that is one success, two advantages, and a try. Hey. Holy ah. cow. Woo. Okay. <laughs> bread project. I'm sorry. Johnny just put in the chat, be right back. I have a bread project going on. <laughs> I just imagine like. It's done. <laughs> he opens the door and then just like bread just like falls in. <laughs> Have y'all I'm read the new pilots for this season? Untitled Johnny O'Mara Bread Project is actually really good. <laughs> yeah, there was a mandate. They're looking for bread. More bread content this year. I just ima- I imagine him like going back and forth between like podcast and then bread project and he forgets to change out of the bread project <laughs> outfit so he comes back looking like a mad With scientist. A chef yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two buttons over his ears where his headphones should be. Oh jeez. <laughs> Jonnet, this a role this good it has to happen in an anime sense. Like Everybody is going to look around. They, they, they get on their chicken backs. They've got lanterns that they're waving over the grass and starting to look. Jonnet, instead, you take a breath and center yourself. And you picture yourself in your mind's eye, standing among the waving tendrils of grain. And then you picture yourself in your mind's eye through your third eye and you can see the pathways of the universe and we see Jonnet standing still and then different versions of Jonnet opening their eyes and stepping in different directions and we can see a pulse of magical light happen this is projecting from the eye on his forehead and, you know, these different Jonnets, they move around, they're walking through the grain there. Some of them are calling out to Brian. Some of them are like pushing grain aside. One of them is like pulled out the Kusari Gama and is like cutting through different wheat. And you're not getting enough information. So you pull deeper and pull more. Your eye opens wider and Suddenly, the handful of jonnets that were searching through the grain more and more step out until it is dozens of jonnets peeling through the grain. And yet still you dig even deeper. And soon there's this extremely trippy kaleidoscopic effect of hundreds of jonnets stepping out from this place and all going on their different pathways. You're sifting and sorting through different versions of yourself, seeing all of the hundreds of different ways this could play out, fast-forwarding through time where you spend 15, 20 minutes, an hour searching through this field in the dead of night where it is dark until one of you trips over something. And then 
all of a sudden the pathways of the universe, they crash back into you. The different like the tendrils of your mind move away and clear away until there is one clear golden path in front of you that would have taken you an hour and 45 minutes to go through. But now you can see the pathway clear in front of you as though it were daylight. And so just to clarify, like mm-hmm. John, it doesn't know what's at the other end of this pathway, but he knows that like, this is, this is the right, this thing. is the right one. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's like, Hey dad, mm. uh, you're going to want to come with me over here. Oh, oh okay. And he's going to, he's going to, uh, maneuver the chicken back towards John. And yeah, you can see Douglas, Jonnet walking along the ground. And I think what is really striking about this is, Jonnet, you are moving through an accelerated version of what would have been a winding, searching pathway. Like, what would have been you, you know, swishing around the grain, walking around for, like, almost two hours, is you jumping from footstep to footstep, taking a pathway that is not straight, is really weirdly, oddly circuitous through all of these grasses and like you're kind of left there scratching your head for a second until Jonnet literally trips and falls over. <laughs> Jonnet trips and falls over. Is that, I knew that was going to happen. How did that still happen? <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he stands up. I think he's probably got his, his little back satchel. So he grabs it and then like, just holding the the strap on it, kind of throws it in the air to be like, hey, I'm here to anybody who's paying attention. And then he kind of looks down to see what it is. It's a body. Oh. My question is, do I know about Jonnet's eye? That, that's actually a good one for Tyler. I have no idea. I can't remember if we... I talked I think, about it with... I think you did hmm. show it. Yeah. I think you did okay. show it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I've I feel like I've I've shown it and I've talked like given a very brief like hey this has been popping up in my life but I don't know no practical if I've detailed given. the ex- nah. yes <laughs> okay um and it but it's it's a body is it is it Brian it is Brian <gasps> and so yeah I think John it does his waving signals to everybody and then and then he kind of looks down and is and he he sees Brian and I think it's 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 something where it's like he doesn't even I think it's like a formality of checking his vitals but he checks and and it's uh he's he's not with us and and I think he very solemnly just kind of looks up and is more and he's more just like waiting to be for his dad to show up this is a good time to cut over to gable and travis is it yeah (laughs) listen i have to say the whole being able to look at a hundred different futures and snap to one being called the golden path is sick as hell wow (laughs) the golden path yes (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what's going on with y'all? <laughs> why would why would we 
cut to you because you haven't been on camera for a while. And we have a really interesting opportunity here, Liz, because you're both exhausted. You've been through a wackadoo slapstick adventure and you are now out on the border of the forest waiting for Jonnet, which means that you have some time silent together where you can kind of wrestle with a bunch of things that you have been wrestling with. And if it will help, I can, because like this is again... A sitting, waiting for things. Long has it passed the time where you're like, ah, just a few minutes. I can endure an awkward silence for just a few minutes while we wait for Jonnet. It's turned into, gosh, Jonnet has taken a long time. Oh boy, we might be here for a very long while before Jonnet shows up. Someone will have to say something first. I can draw a luminary to give you inspiration for, for what the start of the conversation might be, unless... You have an idea. I would love to start the conversation. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you think if I were no. to... Hmm? No, whatever you're going to say, I'm going to say no. Oh. Well, I was... <laughs> I think you might be right. But I was going to say, do you think it's ethical for me to eat poultry... While I'm a turkey. <laughs> this is this is this is interesting. This is an interesting. What, is, what are you thinking of doing right now? <laughs> I'm just hungry. I just ran a bunch. We see we see from uh, Travis's vision. He's looking down at Gable, and Gable's head has turned into a big cooked chicken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> see, because in. The opportunity in your other forms has not presented itself where a human food would be ethically preposterous for a snake or a coyote to have. I mean, so, pe- you know. People eat rabbit, but I just never really thought rabbit? about it. Well, I, now, maybe it's maybe it's the kind of thing where as a turkey, I could eat a rabbit. As a rabbit, I could eat a snake. As a snake, I could eat a bird. And hmm. there's a fly in the middle of it. <laughs> and that's the only way you can get the fly. You've heard, you've heard that story about that lady? <laughs> Perhaps he'll die. She's unwell. Yeah, she kept turning she kept turning into smaller and smaller animals until she disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Could I eat a person while I was a coyote? You can always eat a person. You can eat a person as a man. I well, certainly, but is being a coyote eating a person more ethical? Because sometimes a coyote just has to eat a person, I assume. Okay. In your heart of hearts, your stomach and your desires remain the same across animals. So I would say that the ethics of consumption apply to your human form. That's that's my posit. Hmm. Hmm. So what's what's my name? Hmm? What's my name? Gable. You know. No, 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 no. I just had a had a little flash. Past couple of days, I've just been thinking a lot and unlocking the secret chambers of the twists and turns of my interminable mind for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I remembered, you, you've got a... I had one. You got it. Well, that's fun that you haven't brought that up in a bit. And you have it. 
So, have you ever what seen is- the movie Thirteen Ghosts? No, of course <laughs> I haven't. That's the play. That's the how play. I imagine. Mm. Yeah, sure, whatever. The move. The moving people on the stage. Uh, that's how I imagine the inside of your your mind is like the house from Thirteen Ghosts. Well, I don't know the reference, so I assume it's clean and uh, impeccably prepared. It is all glass, basically. Ooh, that's fun. That's fun for my brain. I think once you see it, you'll think it's less fun, though. Okay. (laughs) No, but... just, just, Just tell me. Tell me name, and... Come on. Um, a question out of character, Mm -hmm. which you can tell because my voice is so different. Yeah. (laughs) Is there, as far as Travis knows, any good reason not to tell them other than being a jerk? I don't know. This is actually a good thing. Johnny, right now, you can tell me, why has Travis not talked about this was it to be a jerk or did you feel like there were there was something protective you were doing yeah i mean i think that like first of all it is fun to have a secret but also i i guess i don't know or travis doesn't know what would happen if he told them you know like travis has changed his name and like capital C, capital N changed the name, you know, the way that helped you in the past, either gaining new names or losing old ones, it helps you move through the world, casting aside old identities and provided you with some shelter. When you lost the name Jolly Jack, your creditors with whom you had run up debts as Jolly Jack could not find you and did not seek you out. They instead went after Jolly Jack to the point where, you know, a decade or so ago, you had the name Travis Matigo cooked up for you in a soup. And that has been a frequent name that you've been able to return to because it was prepared for you. In the game of Illimat with the Forest Queen, Gable focused their name into an ochus and gambled it away, and you claimed it. And you know from the way this game worked that was sort of what Gable was looking to do, was looking to shed the name. And had the Queen claimed it, the Queen might have had laid some claim over Gable. This isn't a thing that you exercised in that time. But you do believe, you do know that Gable came to that table looking to shed that name. The thing that you don't know, I imagine, because you've never asked based on the entire relationship history between you two, is why. In fact, Johnny, I'm going to complexify this as one skosh more. Great. That's what they said when they were writing 13 Ghosts. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put a hat on this hat. And that is, Travis has spent so much of his life running from things. Various things. Mostly one thing, <laughs> but other things kind of get lumped in in the way you know how that goes. And from what you know, 
Gable has too. And you've known what the various things they've been running from over that time have been. I'm not sure you know the big thing. Here's the thing. I've had a lot of different names mm-hmm. in my life. And those names don't really mean anything anymore. Someone from across the road shouted out, William or Jolly Jack, Kenneth Branagh. I love that era for you. I wouldn't look. It wouldn't strike me as me. They're just words now. And I think you might be disappointed when you hear yours to hear that it's just words and nothing more. I understand. I don't need it. I don't need it. Right now, at least. I think at some point I would like to know. I think it'll be important. Yeah, Gable, as you say this, there's just a flash that appears in your mind. The memory that you hold. And the morning star looks down at you with such possessive and adoration-filled sweetness and says, and your name will be... And then there's the hiss of static as it is something that has been torn away from you. You are not the only person who knows the name. I know it's out there, and I know that it can be used for whatever I did, whatever I was. Forewarned is forearmed. I, like I said, I don't, I don't need it now. I don't want it now. I don't want to know. Write it down. Put it in an envelope. Put the envelope to see. I'll find it eventually. Just wanted you to know that I know, that I remember. You're a shithead. But also, thank you for keeping it. Do you think if you heard it, you'd know? Know what? I mean, what if it was just Jolly Jack? What if your name used to be Jolly Jack? Would you know? Or would I have to say, your name used to be Jolly Jack? I don't know. I, I think I would know because I would very suddenly feel in danger. Hmm. That's not great. Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. Maybe it was Johnny Jack. Uh, wouldn't try that be, it. Wouldn't that be crazy? Just let's test it out. Let's let's you say it to me. Hey, Jolly Jack. I didn't. Didn't feel a thing, except for a memory of a man who I wish to fight. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? Don't we all? Well, if you want to know, I can tell you. Or I can just say names sometimes and see if you get it. (laughs) I, as much as I hate games and I hate your games, that does sound very funny to me. And we do have a full night with just hanging out with Jonnet. We could play a wordle situation, like see how many letters I get. 
Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll! Heroes, I wanted to take a moment up top to congratulate the cast of Courier's Call for completing their second season. Drew, Ali, Palomi, and Aaron did such an amazing job, and if you haven't listened yet, you should head over now. There are more than a few events on this season of Courier's Call that will coincide and intersect with the plot of Campaign Skyjacks. And the show overall is a great look at another part of Sphere with some amazing cast performances. Huge congratulations to them as we buckle down and get ready to prepare for the crowdfunding for Season 3. Heroes, I've got a new book on the shelves. It's the Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition. If you're like me and you like to play role-playing games so much that you cannot just keep it to the table, this is a great book for you. It's full of exercises and mini-games to help you develop backstory so you can continue being creative and having fun when you're not actually sitting at the table and rolling dice. And if you're developing your own Skyjacks OCs, it's a perfect companion to you. You can pick it up at bit.ly slash ultimate backstory 2, and that is the numeral 2. And if you already have a copy, I encourage you to head out to sites like Amazon and leave a review. Those reviews really help me sell more books, and they help my publisher know that people like my books so that they get more books from me, which keeps me in house and home. Speaking of keeping me in house and home, I'd like to take a quick moment and thank our backers on Patreon. Just as a reminder to all of our backers at the $10 level or more, we've put out a new call for Dear Uhuru submissions, and Dear Uhuru submissions are a wide and broad category. There are all sorts of fun things you can send in, like PSAs, letters, advertisements, just scene prompts between different Skyjacks characters. So if you're at the $10 level, even if you've sent in a prompt before, this is a new round of prompts, so you get to send another one. I want to make sure we have a huge selection going into our next recording. We should also have more bonus content coming up this Friday. I don't exactly know which one is next on deck, but I believe a mini-series starring Braith and Bobby Jean from Courier's Call is going to be going up there soon. Now then, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky! Let's cut over to Oromar. Mm-hmm. Oromar and gosh, I got her. What was, why Why do characters have so many names? Yeah. Dan, D'Antonio. So many names. D'Antonio. I've, I've also I've been D-A. having a, a really bad name remembering day today. So apologies if I'm like, you. <laughs> for, for, <laughs> no, you. You're yeah. Good. I've written I, it down now. So it's an eyeline. Okay. <laughs> D'Antonio. I'd like to petition for it to be changed to Donnit and Donna. Mm. Donnit, Donna. Just to... Because <laughs> yeah, we do Dennis. have Douglas, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Just... So, D'Antonio and I, after we... Uh, I guess, it, where are we? It has time passed since our cool handshake. Yeah, let's rule that it has. Like, you two are kind of sitting with wistful anxiety Mm. and memories d'antonia has continually alluded to a a discomfort being here Mm. and talked about the person that she used to be i I think we we get another flash of like your blades crossing we can see young orimar is 
exhausted and exhilarated. Mm -hmm. This is now, you know, 10 minutes into a sword fight that under, uh, against any other opponent would have been a few seconds. Mm. But the, (laughs) the woman who is like, I'd say only, only a few years older than him is holding herself and her own quite well. I'm going to ask Nathan, Mm -hmm. is this before or after Oromar has fully trained himself as a swordsman? Ooh, I like the idea. I like the idea because I I like this in everything where this comes up, where uh, the fully training, it was still imperfect, but every so often there has been a person that Oromar has encountered, usually through, you know, piracy, who has a technique that Oromar does not have yet. And mm-hmm. uh, this is one of those times. There is something that D'Antonia in her past life has done that uh, put Oromar on the back step, and then he learned that move, and then it's over, now that he's learned what that move is. But for that first, until he learned the matchup, it was looking a bit rough. So there's something about her twin sword fighting technique that catches Oromar off guard, I think. Yeah. Oh, here's a thing that you notice. I I think, yeah, if Oromar is still refining himself Mm. at, at the core of everything, at the core of their heart and soul is Oromar's fantastic mind. Mm. And during this fight, you know, you, one of the reasons that you were so excited to leap into this fight is you recognized that this woman would be a challenge. Mm Mm-hmm that perhaps even she was more skilled opponent than you. And like, it started out as like kind of this beautiful whirling display of swordsmanship, but then it shifted like maybe a couple, like like 30 seconds, a minute into the fight into Oromar having to be on the defensive. Mm-hmm. But what does Oromar have to his advantage right now? He's not as tired as she is. Mm. She has been fighting through crew on the youngly christened Uhuru for a while. And Oromar kind of jumped into this fight after a lot of her energy was already spent. However, you noticed through these exchanges, there were moments deliberately almost, but it's a weird mix of deliberate choice and and instinctual skill Mm -hmm. where she could have killed you or or struck a near lethal blow and simply didn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, At the point where uh, Oromar has noticed that uh, she started to get a bit more tired, um, he then, he's also starting to power through the rest of his reserves, but he amps up for a while. He figures that if he can kind of like push it, then that will end the fight quicker. So he doubles his pace and it's like you're holding back aren't you i'm not the person to hold back against unless you want to become a pincushion my dear yes oh man i i love this like like blades are flying back and forth and she goes it's a shame or it would be there are two Mm -hmm. massive blows with her sword like send it flying back and she lunges forward and like her blade almost crosses Oromar's neck, but I, I feel like through luck or skill, you stumble back. Mm. Fall, 
The fight is not over. You still have your blade in hand. You raise it to defend yourself as she points her blades down at you. It would be a shame to cut you down in your prime. You haven't bloomed yet. (laughs) What's your left ankle? As he kicks yeah. out with one leg to try and get her in the yeah. boot. Yes. She she falls and she's breathing heavily. So I guess this is where I have to ask for a parlay. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I suppose, <laughs> mm, ow, I suppose it is getting, getting to back to his feet. Now the heat of battle has edged off just a little bit. He's realized how much damage he's taken. Calavar, Calavar, be a dear. I am, um, we're at the, you know, hand gesturing, parlay pot. And well. All right. Calavar like puts his fingers in his mouth and lets out like one of those loud piercing whistles. Everybody on the Uhuru crew who, like, again, the crews had kind of stepped back to watch the captain's duel. The Uhuru crew, which outnumbers the crew of this other ship by, like, tenfold at least, looks around, but following Calvar's orders, they all put their swords back in their scabbards. Hmm. How would you like to stop being the part of what's wringing the life out of Spear for a change. I realize it's not an option that has been offered to you as part of your illustrious career, but believe me, I have tried not being a capitalist bastard once, and it was surprisingly refreshing. And I'd do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Are you... Are you telling me that you're offered a parlay is to become a damn corsair? <laughs> uh, well, they they say it's the pirate's life for me for a reason. <laughs> oh, sorry. Were you expecting me to demand gold of you or something? I know that your superiors are a big fan of that. Wh- who are you? Oh my god! I, I I resist. I resist the urge to say it, and then we go into a musical number. But I, I think this is. I <laughs> we, we we establish. <laughs> You know what? Mm. Uh, considering when I introduced young Oromar, I was like pirates of Penzance, like leather trousers kind of energy. Mm-hmm. I think that musical number occurs in his head. He doesn't actually, we, we, we see the musical number in a very kind of like Chicago kind of thing where the entire musical yeah. number takes place. There's a chorus line of all the members of the Uhuru crews. They're standing to like either side of, <laughs> uh, uh, of D'Antonia where he explains, you know, his origins and then how he diverted from the Red Feathers and this is a life that you could lead to. And it just kind of ends with him kind of jazz hands with a hand proffered. And none of that actually happens. What instead happens is that Kelvar does a very sensible explanation of the reason why we've decided to kind of defect. And actually, maybe the what you've been told about the life of piracy is not quite necessarily the truth of the matter. This is Captain Oromar Vale of the Uhuru, and you know as well as I that there's no future flying with the feathers. And I suppose, 
as a turn of politeness. I must ask in kind, who are you? My name is Winona. And Bees? What that last name used to be? Kessler. Still Kessler. Winona Kessler. Yeah, we're back in the present. <laughs> yeah, I I think at this point now, uh, where where are we? I I like the idea. We, we've we've kind of said that this this is kind of like a raised area, and I think there's a, a part of town where you can see the ranch in the distance at night, like a like a theme park. There are lights within the ranch that are always on, so you can kind of see it oh, yeah. in the distance, right? It would be pretty until you actually knew what was in the theme park. And then it's just mortifying. Both of these people know, <laughs> but it's the, <laughs> for a moment, we'll pretend, we'll pretend that this is somewhere. A roller coaster, it goes, <laughs> there's like a firework, fireworks that go up that are shaped like meat. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, ne- I've never been, to, oh, I've been to like Disneyland Paris, but never at like night. I assume they have the equivalent of the electric parade, but fireworks at night at most of these, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. is going on. So we've kind of tuned in. We've kind of gone to the, to this part of the town to go and see the, the fireworks that are happening in advance of the turkey run. And in fact, I think one of the fireworks is in the shape of a turkey and kind of like, look what you got to go and look yeah, forward right. to yeah. later today. Isn't the local culture quirky? <laughs> and while that, that kind of is going on in the background, you're going to have to tell him, you know, if I didn't know, then, well, he probably won't either. And if he doesn't know, then, well, he might. Zana doesn't know. Huh. I walked into that room. Douglas didn't know. Exactly. Actually, I suppose to retcon, I meant Douglas when I was like, you have to tell him. Mm. Because, well, um, I I can understand why he might want to uh, put a bullet in me for trying to uh, kill someone as skilled at the sword as you. The fact that you would have lost to me would definitely be a surprise to your, well, is he even your bow anymore? I would have taken you apart. See, the thing is, (laughs) I think this is maybe the fourth time that they would have gone into a woulda, shoulda, coulda about how that fight would have gone. And both of them remember that fight entirely differently at this point. Yeah. 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 We're not doing this for the fourth time, but, um, well, you know, uh, as I say, the person who might not be your beau anymore was very willing to put a bullet in my head in your name or your previous one anyway. That's, that's the thing, Ormar. <sighs> Those kids found me. Janet, Zana. They grew up as chicken farmers. And they they go off on their year, and what do they both do? They both go out and join the most notorious pirate outfits in the sky. I don't even recognize my daughter until she's been serving on my ship for months. And like I said, she grew up fine. 
well, Douglas, if that's what he's calling himself now, he did a fine job without me. And I've been doing something that I think is important, but I've been doing it without them. And I didn't look back after I changed my name. At first, I told myself, oh, you got to keep them safe. You can't let this life interfere with whatever they got going on there. They made their own dangerous choices, though. Do I Do I even have the right? <sighs> Oromar is starting to get better at a pensive human size. <laughs> <laughs> I am... Um not a parent and at no point do I really ever intend to be but I do know what it means to defend one's family whether it's found or by blood to the hilt and I think you were doing an astounding job of that for Zona Kessler this is gonna be a hell of a conversation Hmm. I also realize it's not my place to ask you to go back to a life you no longer want to lead just so somebody else doesn't want to put my head on a platter. There are enough people in the world who already want to do that when one more isn't really going to make the largest bit of difference. So, I apologize. You know, I came here in part because I knew that you would be here. Oh. I knew what what a hornet's nest of the situation was going to be. And I knew that my crew wasn't going to let me walk away from this. Zana was so excited to see her brother again. So excited to introduce me to her father. And I also knew that I could probably show up here and just disappear. Just not interact with it. But everybody knows that Winona was taken down by Captain Oromar Vale. And everybody knows that Oromar Vale is owed 99 favors by the Bandit Queen at this point, by my count. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows that as someone who sails under the Queen's sails, that if you were to tell me that I had to go to my family that I left behind to live without me for years upon years and tell them who I am, I would be obligated by my oath to the Bandit Queen to do it. And everybody also knows that Oromar Vale fancies himself the king of the sky. And I would have thought the king would have just forced me to do that. Hmm. There's only one type of person I'm starting to do your accent now. Blech. Um. Mm. I am ah. so fucking sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Um. I can barely hold on to this. No, no, it's it's fine. Uh, the, the only other tabletop RPG I'm playing at the moment is also a cowboy thing, and I've been doing a really bad version of that. Little every southern, Sunday. yeah. So <laughs> anyway, the only kind of person that I would make follow orders and Daniil before me are the kind of people that you have decided that you no longer want to work for. So I have no reason to make you do anything you don't want to do. I look forward to being a king, not a tyrant. Damn. None of that makes this any easier. 
well, the story we're writing for ourselves is never going to be easy. That would be boring. They both look out again at the sparkling fireworks in the distance that make up the brutal playground of the J.D. Lightfellow Ranch. to another just one one quick thing before we fade over please i know the rest of my crew are going to be mad at me for asking but actually i do have a a favor if you wouldn't mind could you please ask douglas for some of their griffin feed because i know he's not going to sell any to me and i am looking after a baby griffin very carefully and i want the best for him and and let me cut (laughs) (laughs) he is my special boy and i love him so much so jonnet we are in you know your mind you're you're seeing people rush over to brian this is a tragic scene but you also know that like when you tripped the thing that you tripped over was definitely Brian's body but the thing that you caught your fall with was not so you turn to look at that as well you see another body um who do I recognize this person you don't this is a person who unlike Brian who you know is dead we will you know make a further examination of that in a second this person was like both brian and this person were, were kind of hastily covered over by the grasses like woven into this field but this person has been stripped down to their underclothes oh okay and uh real quick Jonet is trying to <laughs> maybe ironically Jonnet can project into the future, but in this moment can't remember uh, with clarity the past. But how many shots did, how many shots rang out? Three. Three. Jonnet is going to check both of these bodies for gunshot wounds or entry points. You see in Brian's chest that there is a gunshot wound like blood has has spread out from there pretty well this other body does not look like it fell to a gunshot is there any kind of indication of what this body fell to that is the wild thing Jonnet. this is like a body but also in many ways is kind of a sack of loose bones and meat as whatever killed this person it was like a truck hit them repeatedly. So many oh of their God. bones are broken. They were hit by something big, very, very hard. Does this does this body have a have a mouth? This body does have a mouth. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. Mouth check. Yeah. <laughs> Roll for yes. Perception oh, on mouth. Okay. Okay, so I guess Jonnet is how far away is is anybody? Because I feel like Jonnet's now processing out, like, 
we whoever this person is, they've been like stripped down to their clothes. So like somebody might be trying to pose as as someone else. There's there's a lot of a lot of shit going on. Yeah, you okay, Jonnet? I want you to make a check, and I'm trying to determine what skill this would be. Skullduggery is what I'm gonna go with to to understand a crime. Okay. And this is going to be hard. Yeah. I feel like this is fitting for the character because I feel like is even though he has been in the skies for a year, he's still fresh to like my skull duggery is like kind of low. Yeah. So that's gonna be too green. <laughs> Oh, but comes through. So that is going to be two successes and one threat. Two successes, one threat. I think, Jonnet, you are looking over this body, both of these bodies. One of these people was Brian, the, the lookout, the night watch on these chicken pens. And so far you have seen that... The chickens were let out. And the thing that, you know, you definitely grew up around chicken farms, like you know as well as your father, that even if the walls came down, not all the chickens are just going to run. Something yeah. something would have to drive them out. Ushered them out. So the conclusion that I think you can reach with two successes is whoever did this was not acting alone. And the dead person, this other dead person that's not Brian that you found must have been one of the conspirators. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I think, yeah, we've got we've got a, a team of people. Brian fell trying to... Di- oh, actually, Brian got shot. Mm-hmm. How many, like, bullet wounds are, like, do I see in Brian? Just one in Brian. Okay. We're we're looking for I think yeah, Jonnet he turns to where Douglas is approaching from and is saying like, "Well, I had to do this delicately because there's a there's a there's a body." They're dead. That's delicate. That's delicate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I he's not going to yell anything out. He's going to he's going to wait until his father shows up. I approach John. Johnny, what'd you find? Um, some, someone, uh, someone. Out with it. Brian's gone. And I think whoever did this is still out there. I think he may have gotten. And so he kind of loses his words and he kind of steps uh, aside, kind of revealing the scene. And I think someone's trying to get these chickens out. And and they took Brian in the process. He's gonna get down off of uh off of his chicken steed and uh walk over to Jonnet and not just not saying anything, he's just gonna pull him into a hug. Just hold one hand on his back as he's just sitting there and he's gonna look to see how close Daryl is. They're they are approaching. Because, like, you you mentioned something about Jonnet finding something, so everybody's kind of, like, stirring mm. over. 
All right, so he's probably just going to hold him, just not saying anything, just, you know, if, if Jonnet wants to cry or whatever, he's just letting... Because I don't... I think this is the first time dealing with, like, human death that he's seen Jonnet deal with. So he's just going to kind of just hold him there, just not really knowing exactly what to say. And then as soon as, like, Daryl approaches... Well, I think this moment might be even more complicated than that because Jonnet, like, initially it's nice to just get a hug from your dad, especially with how emotionally fraught this whole evening has been. But then there is something that I think you realize. Your father is trying to comfort you because you just saw a dead man. You've taken lives since you've last seen your father. This is not the shock that he thinks it is for you. Dad, I don't think there's time now to go into it, but just know I'm I'm okay. He's going to, like, put his hands on his shoulders and kind of, like, push him out so that he can look at him. And he's going to stare into his eyes for a couple seconds and see that, that Jonnet is actually, like, Un, almost, pretty much almost unfazed by this and those are the hard eyes of a man who has seen a long road yeah so he's gonna sit there and that's gonna sink in to Douglas and Jonnet will feel his hands shake a little bit on his shoulders and then uh, he'll let go and just kind of nod and uh, turn away, turn away towards Daryl and Denny, and he's gonna tell Denny to stop. Yeah, and then I th- I think yeah, John, it's John, it's kind of right there with his dad. It's like Denny, Denny, you don't you don't need to you don't need to be here, son. Why don't, why don't you why don't you go get a cart, um, and we'll all see to this. And Denny's like kind of nervous. Because everybody's very quiet. He maybe has ideas about what folks might be looking at and what might have happened. But he doesn't want to give voice to them in case those ideas might be right. I'll I'll go back and I'll get hip. There's that familiar hiss of static to you, Jonnet. I'll get as Denny, you know, cracks cracks the, the bit on his bird and it takes off down for the Kessler farm. They got Brian as he's looking at Daryl. You know who this is. At this point, what else could it be? What? At this point, like once he says that, Douglas's look is going to go from Daryl just kind of in like a downward angle, but just staring off into the distance. And he's just going to nod. Who did this, Dad? When you were here, there's a lot of things that we kept from y'all. Just because you were too young to understand. We didn't want anybody going off doing anything stupid. And some other things involved with it. And he's going to turn and face Johnny and just kind of like stare in his eyes for a second. And like you can see his eyes, Douglas's eyes dart around real quick not not like wildly but like within like a centimeter just dart around a couple times thinking about something and then stop on john it again 
And then he's just going to. But as a man, you need to understand what's probably going to happen soon. We cut. We cut over to a silo on the other side of the Kessler residence. It is a stone building and a hardy stone building. One that was built by a community. A community enthusiastic to work together. Because it had seen struggle and strife and found fortune on the other side of it. This building is a testament to the beginning of prosperity for this place. Of people working together and putting their strength into something new and grand and wonderful. This silo holds the Kessler family secret recipe. Patties of grain that have been mixed together with a special blend of herbs in the area that makes a griffin feed. A griffin feed that makes the process of rearing so much easier It can satisfy a very large bird and also help someone trying to grow their bird to exactly the appropriate size. It was the break that the community of Acheron needed. And so everyone in the area rallied around it. And it is also the jewel that exists at the center of this community. The one that makes greedy eyes hunger. And those are exactly the eyes that are beholding this particular jewel on this night under nearly full moon. We can see a red feather captain. A red feather captain who Douglas Kessler had referred to earlier this evening as him. At his back, there are two red feather soldiers dressed for riding. They are holding at bay two barn owls, one that has been injured by two shots from a revolver that sits now at the hip of dead Brian, who watched those fields. The barn owls sway and pull. One lets out that inhuman rumbling screech into the night. The captain and Uh, Bees will let you name this person, too, unless it's been too many names. And the rule here for this one, no D names. Too many D names. Well, that gets rid of the first 30. (laughs) 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 All right. It is going to be Maitland Elton. Yes. Captain Maitland Elton. Well, well, well. It seems... While all the chickens have flown the coop, there's no one here to watch after the homestead. Lucky for them, I'm here. He pulls open the door and walks inside. And I think that is where we end this week's episode.
Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like A Horror Borealis. A Horror Borealis is an actual play Monster of the Week podcast set in the 1990s in the fictional town of Revenant, Alaska, just south of the nation's least visited national park and way north of everything else. A reclusive small game hunter with a magical secret, a young anarchist librarian with a passion for conspiracy theory, and a sensible park ranger with a strong local book club following find themselves pulled together by common threads woven mysteriously into their past when monsters begin plaguing their tiny community. But they soon discover the things they're fighting run much deeper and much closer to home. Tune in for a story about identity, empathy, community, mental illness, and healing. And stay for the beloved local diner. You can find A Horror Borealis on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. You can stream his short film, Lining, on the Roku channel for free. Just search for the shortlist, Summer. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at LizAnderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at PhantomArtsENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. And once for our friends ne'er rise, twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can
can never deny the call of the sky.